hello and welcome to my podcast. My name is Late. Yes, I'm never late, but I am late. So, take that how you will. And uh, I'm a Christian of about seven years now. 2012, I became a Christian at the age of 15. So counting that, you probably get to 21, 22. That's around about how old I am. And um, <clears throat> I'm excited about this new project, this new podcast. And uh, it's going to be, um, to my best ability, a weekly episodic podcast. I haven't chosen a day. It probably will keep it pretty fluid. Just once a week. At least. If not twice or three or four or five times. However long, how many times I can do it. But I love this kind of stuff. Not because I want to be in the limelight. Because I love teaching the Bible. I love to teach. I think I've got a lot to share that people haven't thought of. And when I first noticed this actually was at Life Group. Um, this, no, last year. And we're talking about the three persons of, of God, the Godhead. And a lot of people didn't get it. And and it never confused me. It never confused me. I was never having to use, you know, Russian dolls as a... Um, application of the Godhead. I just thought I am a soul, I am a spirit, I am a body. Therefore, why wouldn't God have a soul and a spirit and body? Didn't he say that we were the image of God? Therefore, wouldn't God also have three parts as we have three parts? I said this and people's minds were blown. And then I knew I had some kind of ability to at least dumb things down for people. To make it easier for people to understand. To simplify. And magnify. And then I used. um, Without knowing the law that Plato instructed. That we look at something that we can see. That is bigger to us. A A concept that we understand to apply. Obviously feely. To a concept that we cannot understand that is bigger than us. And so I just did that. Without knowing. And then I was in. Universe, um, in university at the moment. And uh, I was doing a paper. From, uh, from Massey University. It was called From Plato to Marx. And. I read Plato the first week. Not all of it, just parts, but enough to understand this concept, this idea of using bigger concepts that we understand to understand smaller concepts we cannot yet see. He used the idea of a blind man. Would we give a blind man a, or, or a, sorry, I should say, a narrow-eyed man, someone who cannot see easily, a paper to read that has small writing if there is another paper that has large writing 
Because wouldn't it be better and more beneficial to give a narrow-eyed man a paper that he can see than to understand the paper that he cannot see? He sees it quite easy once he understands what the paper says. And he can make out what the paper says if he understands it. But first he must understand it. And to do that we show him the bigger paper. Therefore we use concepts that we know and that we can see. With con to to complement concepts that we cannot see. Especially when it comes to Christ and the Bible. Because he uses many heavenly concepts. This is why he says, if you do not understand that it, things of this world, how will you ever understand things of heaven? Because firstly, we must understand things of this world so that we can grasp things of heaven, things that we cannot see. In fact, if you go through Jesus' life, you see a lot of Plato's work in it, and I don't think it was, I think it was serendipitous, um, maybe not, maybe Jesus was like, you know, God was like, yeah, let's use Plato's work to describe who I am, because he described me perfectly, I think it was more serendipitous, I think Plato described God without understanding that he described God, and uh, it just turned out for the best, and I, I, I don't understand how many Philosophers haven't grasped this idea about Plato, and I think he's in heaven right now. Like, honestly, I haven't read all of Plato's Republic, but what I have read would lead me to believe he easily accepted Jesus. I don't think it was a challenge for him to accept Jesus. Because we know that he went down to Sheol, Jesus went down to Sheol. To preach to the unsaved. To preach to those who had not received his words yet. Therefore I think Plato was saved along with Abraham. And along with Isaac and Jacob. Along with Joseph and Judah. And Naphtali and Dan. Along with Noah. Along with... Lot. And I think the interesting thing that we should understand is that we don't know who's down there. I think, and, and hey, Christians could hate me on this, but I think that Buddha probably accepted Jesus as God. Buddhists are going to hate me, and Christians are really going to hate me for saying that. But if you read his prediction about this great man who's going to come, it sounds a lot like Jesus. He doesn't say he's going to be God. But man, if Jesus went down there and said, I did all this kind of stuff, he'd be like, yep, I'm on your bandwagon. I'll see you in heaven. <laughs> I don't think Buddha that is in, uh, is in hell. Firstly, he didn't preach on any other gods. He did preach on some stuff that I think he would regret right now. It has led many away from God. 
and uh, but but if you understand Buddha, I was reading um a book, a Buddhist book, I believe it was. I may be wrong there. Um, and if you read it, it sounds a lot like what we heard about the Old Testament, God. A lot like what we heard. And the only thing that really stood out as completely different was the third eye. But even then, if the third eye is meant to be some kind of descriptor of, of observation rather than literal, a third literal eye is meant to be more of a descriptor of spiritual things rather than seeing literally spiritual things, then it might not be so far off. And even then, if it's seeing spiritual things, it might not be so far off. I mean, how did... How did Peter see an angel? How did Jesus see angels? How did angels comfort Jesus? How do people see angels today? And I'm not saying every single person who sees an angel is telling the truth or is isn't a false prophet but what I am saying is that there are hundreds of thousands of people who see angels and it's not like God changes why wouldn't he why would he stop people from seeing angels I'm not saying I believe every single instance I've ever heard all I'm saying is why would God stop today he's never stopped anything before he's never changed the way that he conveys messages to us. I think maybe the only thing he's changed is now he's revealed who the angel of the Lord is and that's one book I want to write in the near future, probably within the next 10 years. Is this book on this angel of the Lord character that we see throughout the Old Testament. First I believe we see him in Exodus in the burning bush. I think the last time we see him might be in Judges, but I could be wrong about that as well. Maybe Kings. I think it's interesting, anyway, to say, hey, who's in heaven, who's in hell? I think many people will be surprised about who's in heaven and who's in hell. Um... I think that a lot of people who we think will be in heaven, you know, will be in heaven. But I think a lot of people who we think will be in heaven won't be in heaven. What I think will be in heaven, though, is Billy Graham. He is probably the greatest preacher, let's see, maybe since, and I'm, I may be going way off here by saying this, but maybe since... Martin Luther and, and and Calvin and all the all the um, preachers who came out of the Reformation. Maybe since the Reformation, 
Maybe he's the best preacher of all history since the Reformation. Before that, probably there weren't many great who we talk of, maybe like St. Augustine, Jerome. Um, but otherwise, I don't know if there are many other big names in history. Since, like, Paul. I mean, obviously Peter and the Twelve Disciples, but I mean, even then, some of them were, like, footnotes in, in the Bible. I mean, not footnotes in, like, India, where I think Thomas went. But still, footnotes in the... Like, when was the last time you heard of Bartholomew? You know, St. Bartholomew. What about Judas, not Iscariot? <laughs> Andrew, you know? <clears throat> when was the last time you talk, heard about them? So maybe since the death of John in 95-ish AD, there haven't been really great preachers up until I mean they probably were but not that we've heard of but since maybe uh, until maybe Jerome and St. Augustine and then after that I think probably the Reformation and then after that probably Billy Graham the greatest preachers to have ever walked the earth, and obvious, obviously, I, I, I exclude Jesus because. I mean, I'm talking about after his time. I'm talking about since the formation of the church. Not, not his ministry. Because he was the greatest preacher to ever exist, <clears throat> telling us truths that we would never understand. Anyway, I want to talk about uh, a book I've been reading in the Bible, um, studying, and I want to do more study in this book specifically, get them the a better reading out of it. But and after after I've um, talked about this, I will leave you guys because I don't want these to be too long. Um, but this book is really great, and I think undervalued really because it actually shows us a great illustration of what what Paul is talking about in, in Galatians and Ephesians and well I guess throughout the Bible but specifically in these two areas um, and Romans obviously where he talks about are we under the law no we're not under the law the law was a great teacher until Jesus and then Jesus you know gave us grace you know that, let's exclude that though since Galatians Ephesians probably the best this is probably I would say the best illustration of the gospel in the whole Bible which is Philemon yeah now this is just of what I've read but the best illustration of the gospel about of of the 
grace of God coming down upon us. Um, so we, so many Catholics would say, and, and obviously Jehovah's Witnesses and, and Mormons and add in a million different sects of Christianity there, that we must do something, Islam, we must do something to obtain, obtain grace, obtain mercy, go to heaven, go to paradise, whatever you want to call it. Um, but the Bible never says this. The Bible actually, the only illustri illustration that I can think of is in James 2, but even this, when you read it in the NLT and the NIV, becomes actually a lot easier to understand. Um, and most of the time I don't say go and read the NLT or the NIV because they're not my favorite versions. I have some qualms about them and some, some, you know, there's some things I don't like about them, but definitely here in this context, I like it. It, it, it gives a great description of, of what we're talking about in James 2. We're talking about um, faith producing works, not faith justified by works. We're not justified by works. And I know that the King James and everything uses the word justified, but it's little j, not big j. J... So Big J is Bible justified. Justified is the sense of um, becoming just, becoming righteous in the, the sight of the Lord. Um, but this is little j. Because sometimes in the Bible, they use Big J justified. But sometimes in the Bible, and we can get this from the um, the context of the book, and the context of the Bible really, actually, of what J to apply. But sometimes justified is just the word justified. Our faith is justified by works. Yeah, our faith is justified by works. Meaning that our works that, that we display are the proofs of our faith. That means that without works, our faith is dead. You know, it's dead faith. It's, it's, it's a faith not producing fruit, it's not producing works, and we need to go back to the drawing board. I'm telling you now, that is what it's saying. And the way we know this is because of um, of Abraham, the, the example is Abraham, and this is the example uh, example given is the one where he takes his son Isaac up to the altar to, to slay him, and God says uh, that He will provide the the sacrifice and gives him a ram at up at Mount Moriah, and um, and the point of that was. His faith drove him to do that. And I want to do a bigger study on that. I don't believe for a second Abraham thought that he would have to kill his son. I mean, unless we're calling Abraham a liar, but I don't see him being a liar. Um, and I don't think God would have approved of that. I think, not to say God, that Abraham did everything God approved of, but just to say, you know, God wouldn't have had 
the writer put it in such a cavalier sense. I think it was put cav- so cavalier because it was like a hidden treasure. Hey, you know, Abraham knew he wasn't going to have to kill his son. Abraham knew no matter what that God was going to provide. Um, when he says, you know, um, stay here, me and the son will go and worship the Lord and then we'll come back. He says, we'll come back. It's not, I'll come back. It's, we'll come back. And and there's some kind of interesting dichotomy. In fact, it shows his faith strong to say, hey, I'm not going to have to kill my son. God is not going to make me kill my son. In fact, it is completely possible that that Isaac knew what he was doing and knew the plan. And uh, it was just to show, hey, I have faith in the Lord. And in fact, James um, James 2.14 uh, through, I think, 25, somewhere around there, um, explains this extremely well. And, and I think clarifies for us that, yeah, Abraham knew because it was a faith thing. He went up there in faith of God. That God would not have him kill his son. Um, I think it's a beautiful concept. But it shows that your faith is not... Your, your, sorry. Your salvation is not justified through works. In fact, your faith is justified through works. Um, so in Philemon, it has this great illustration. In this book, it has very little to say about God. So when a book has very little to say about God, we want to go into the the um, metaphor that the Bible is trying to portray here. Because we know when it's not just going to be a history lesson. It's not gonna, they're not just going to put Philemon in it. God's not just going to allow Philemon to be in the Bible for the sake of being in the Bible. There's a reason for it. So if it's not saying anything about God um, overtly, we can definitely expect that it's saying about something about God implicitly. And so... We can go, okay, what, what's the metaphor here? And this book has a really amazing metaphor. Uh, so, <coughs> uh, it shows this interesting plea that uh, to Solomon from Paul that sounds a lot like what Jesus did for us. Now, Philemon is a very typical biblical book. It's not an extreme, it's uh, not extraordinary. And it's actually quite a ordinary book. Um, but rather, it, it's a book that has a theme rather than a story it wants to tell. Or, or it's, it's a story but through a theme rather than through a little literal story as some of the Bible is, and it re- represents something um, bigger and larger than itself, and this being the sacrifice of Jesus, and therefore of God. And so what does this say about, the, uh, about God's plan? About God's plan. So, I've already illustrated that Philemon... Is a type, or rather, a, uh, Paul is a type of Jesus. 
is an illustration of Jesus, if you will. If this is true, we might call Philemon an illustration of, of man, and Onesimus is an illustration of bondage. If this be the case, however, this would suggest that God's plan would be that we are slaves and God wants to see us free so much so that he would put any transgression of our hours onto himself. However, I don't believe this to be the illustration that we ought to look for, but rather that Jesus is obviously Paul, and I think that is objectively clear through the scripture of Philemon. But also that Philemon is the father and Onesimus is a type of, of man in the sense of he is the shadow of man. In this case he is the cast. He's cast as the, the man character. Paul is willing to pay for the sins of Onesimus committed against his master Philemon in the same way that Jesus was willing to pay for the sins of man against the father. Paul appealed to Onesimus, uh, sorry, to, to Philemon for the freedom of his slave Onesimus just to give him back as a brother of Philemon. So too Jesus pays for the freedom of prisoners of hell just to give them back as sons of the Father. Therefore, what does this say about us as, as people? What it says is that Jesus paid for my sin, your sin, to give me back to the Father, Abba, as an adopted son. I'm not meant to be in bondage anymore. I am not a slave, as it says in, uh, in Galatians. I am not a slave to fear, but... Adopted as a son to Abba Father, that we might cry out, Abba Father. I thank you for listening to this podcast today. I might be a little bit boring, a little bit dry, uh, and I apologize for that. But I am trying to work on my enunciation rather than talk fast. And this would drive me to be boring. But it does drive me to at the same time be clear about what I'm trying to express. So if you're bored, that is absolutely fine. Uh, but it is for the better and if you don't like this kind of stuff then uh, go watch Sadie Robinson or listen to Sadie Robinson because I am not a fast talker so <laughs> that is not to 
the Hag Sadie's podcast, I think it's great. Sometimes it can be go a little bit weird, but I mean, we're all a little bit weird, aren't we? Us brothers and sisters in Christ. I know I'm a little bit weird sometimes. <laughs> anyway, I want to thank you uh, for joining me here today. Thank you, uh, Lord, for anyone who's joining. And I just pray that anyone who is uh, here with me listening to this podcast, that they would know your name and hear your voice and that they would be able to speak uh, speak praise about you and that you would be able to speak life into them. Uh, and that... Anyone who is listening to this podcast who may be unsaved, uh, that they might come to know your name, whether through this podcast, whether through another podcast, or whether through somebody else, I don't really care, but that they would be saved in uh, your name. And Father, I pray that everyone who is uh, listening would go out, and anyone who is my brother and sister would go out into this week uh, with blessings of Bountiful. Um... And uh, that they would go out with boldness and be able to express what they need to express about you. In Jesus' name, we pray this prayer. Amen. Um, just in benediction, I want to go out and say, bless everyone who is listening to this podcast. Bless your families. Make sure that uh, you're safe all week and uh, that you have a great week. In Jesus' name, I, I give you over. Amen.